Hello and welcome to Lost Essays, the podcast that celebrates the greatest essays and essayists of all times. On today's show, we will revisit Woodrow Wilson's The New Freedom. But before we get to the essay, a bit about Woodrow Wilson. Born in 1856, Wilson would be raised in a Confederate family, and this association would result in him being one of only two U.S. presidents to have been a citizen of the Confederate States. Now, Wilson began his professional life as a teacher, and he was a constant reformer in everything that he did. His intense pursuit of deconstruction resulted in attention, and this attention would ultimately contribute to his running for political office, becoming the governor of New Jersey, and then in turn, the president of the United States. His political life began in 1912, and in that same year, he penned the essay, The New Freedom. Now, Wilson begins the essay in retrospect of the situations that led Europe to the New World. Now, during this brief history lesson, my mind wanders to the little and large random moments that brought us here. Wilson reminds the reader that without the conquest of Constantinople by the Turk, one could argue finding a westward way to the east might have lacked urgency. It's interesting. With this same train of thought, it would not be too hard to venture towards the idea, whereas if it were not for the Pope, actions helping to, albeit indirectly, promote westward exploration, centuries later, America might not be here. But I digress. Wilson begins the essay with an omniscient view of the early immigrants to the New World. He explores the hopes of the individuals entering this Garden of Eden, where the bounty is shared by all, and each is dedicated to equal distribution of the wealth. Among a brotherhood of individuals free from tyrants and kings, privileged classes and social orders, a land where all seeks the general good. And he declares that the founding fathers sought to, and I quote, serve the cause of humanity to bring liberty to mankind, and he continues, to create America that will be a haven of peace, of opportunity, and of equality. Now, I'm not here to argue, and unlike our all-knowing author, I will allow perspective, but not necessarily the passage of time, for the altering of word meaning. Opportunity, equality, well, things change. It is apparent that Wilson feels that the original purpose of the Republic has strayed, and this is where we really get into the meat of the writing. Wilson sees in 1912 that, and I quote, Life is no longer the comparatively simple thing it was. He laments, if Jefferson were living today, he would see the individualist caught in a great confused nexus of complicated circumstances. He continues, life has become complex. There are many more elements, more parts to it than ever before. Now, metaphorically, he likens liberty and the 1912 American life to a large complex machine a machine whose moving parts must be constantly monitored and maintained. Now, the parts of this machine could be the people, the government, and industry. And each part moves together with respect, progressing without interfering with other parts. Now, due to the machine's complexity, he writes, it is harder to find out where the trouble lies when the machine gets out of order. Now here he is attempting to diagnose the issues and the problems by determining which part of the machine is not fairly contributing equally to maintaining stasis and balance. He finds that while the individual is dizzily swept about in a thousand new whirlpools of activities that are complicating the process of living, a subtle tyrant has taken over, 
a benevolent force known better as industry. Now, Wilson believes human freedom consists in perfect adjustment of human interest in human activities and human energies. And he also finds that industry is becoming our nemesis. He found that, he found that the powerful force, the, also known as the industrial tyrants, these great interest, interests would ultimately dominate American development. Now, while he quotes from Jefferson, again, and I quote, the best government is as little government as possible, his writing demonstrates one who believes more government intervention is needed to curb the power of industry. And as for those innocent Americans suffering at the hand of big business, he states, law must come to the individual's assistance. Now, it is clearly evident that in the early 20th century, the American blue-collar worker was truly at the end of a rope, and poverty was only as bleak as many of the working conditions. Beyond the suffering, Woodrow Wilson believed that the nation was, and I quote again, in a fair way of failure, tragic failure. So in 1912, Woodrow Wilson believes we are at a turning point. He continues in a frost-like tone, the road diverge at the point where we stand, but at one end is, quote, government tied up with special interest. The other, quote, liberating light of individual initiative, of individual liberty, of individual freedom, the light of untrammeled enterprise. Whew, what a huge decision in such a terrifying way to look at this moment in time. And I suppose that to borrow from Frost, knowing how way leads to way, I doubt if I should ever come back, once this decision is made, there's no turning back. Now, I wish that Wilson were here today. I would love to ask him what path he felt the nation took. Now, his concern for future generations is great. He states, if they open their eyes in a country where they must be employees or nothing, if they open their eyes in a land of merely regulated monopoly, where all the conditions of industry are determined by a small group of men, then they will see an America such as the founders of this republic would have wept to think of. Again, I wish Wilson were here today. The essay continues with his ideas on the meaning of wealth, defined quite, quite differently in his essay uh, as opposed to in today's American mind. He finds wealth in the people, in the spirit and vitality of the people, and believes that these are crucial to the strength and continual development of the nation. We ask these questions. How would it suit the prosperity of the United States? How would it suit business to have a people that went every day sadly or sullenly to their work? How would the future look to you if you felt that the aspiration had gone out of most men? the confidence of success, the hope they might improve their condition. Oh, how I wish Woodrow were here with me today. It is quite clear that he is writing in support of the individual and supports reducing the control that business has on politics, and for that matter, the progress of America and the individuals that make up America. His belief is that government is able to fend off the powerful business. This idea is clear in this quote. We have got to make politics a thing in which an honest man can take his part 
with satisfaction because he knows that his opinion will count as much as the next man. And the threat of boss and special interests have been dethroned. He goes on stating how he wishes to humanize industry through law and that there is little argument that in the early 20th century, law did correct much of the dangerous workplace practices. But one could argue against his statement that law would, and this is Woodrow's words, set the energy, energy and the initiative of this great people absolutely free. Oh, I, hope, I wish he were here today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Lost Essays and look forward to sharing more of the greatest essays and essayists of all times in the future.